0: Hello, and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insights Podcast Series. I'm Craig Valenzuela, Managing Director for Global Business Development, and we're here today to talk about income with our Director of Global Absolute Return and Fixed Income, Paul Nicholson. Paul, welcome to QPod. Thanks, Craig. Great to be here. Paul, you recently released a new paper uh, called Income is the New Defense, and i am got to say the opening paragraph really grabbed my attention. In it, you wrote, one year ago, an investor with a million dollars allocated to a cash fund would receive an income of $10,000 per year. Today, that same $1 million allocation would only return $1,000 per year. With that top of mind, Paul, can you take us through what you've been seeing over the last past year? And i got a funny feeling that COVID might be a factor here. Can you talk us through it, please?
1: Yeah, thanks, Craig. Um, look, the, the COVID crisis has been has really shifted um Markets very much uh, systemically since since it hit really in, in in January February and Q1 as a whole. Um, taking a step back, you know, prior to uh, the the seasonal holidays, as we were coming into this decade, uh, you and I, Craig, were talking a lot about how markets were priced for, to perfection. You know, we had these linear growth patterns, we had these linear earnings trajectories, and the markets were purely priced to perfection from any sort of stretch of the imagination. And then take a step forward, COVID hit. What manifested out of that has been this huge monetary and fiscal response to the tune of six to seven trillion, depending on who you ask. And and essentially what the governments and the central banks have tried to do is bridge this pandemic. Now, as as we know, and it's become increasingly obvious that this pandemic will not be short-lived. The ramifications will be around for many years, if not, if not decades. And essentially, these low rates that we're seeing are something that investors have had to get used to very quickly. You know, they've had to to pivot in terms of looking for liquidity and ensuring that liquidity and defensiveness of their portfolios are shored up. But at the same time, uh, any sort of liquidity that's been raised. You know, allocated to working capital funds or cash funds has pretty much been decimated in terms of the income uh, and the yield that that receives. Now, that's something that's going to play a massive role going forward. Um, like I said, it's going to play out over many years, and it will take time. But the big question that, that gets asked is, where can I source that income from? But also, How are my traditional fixed income assets going to play their defensive role in my portfolio when they're already at sort of zero levels of interest rates? And that's really the big crux of it. How is uh, the traditional aspect of fixed income, which is to be a defensive nature within an overall portfolio for an investor, And is that going to play out going forward?
0: Yeah, so look, I appreciate the the new environment with liquidity being a major concern, defensiveness being a real topic of conversation these days and those low rates you talked about. So with that backdrop in mind, how can an investor balance the upside with the downside and, you know, sort of maximize that income?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, uh, and just, as we know, there are many options open to investors. Uh, each and every one claim to be the panacea to a low-income world. Um, the one thing that we need to be very astute to, and all investors need to be, is that the vast majority lock up capital for long periods of time, with pre income levels, you know, where we are today. Uh, they may look attractive today, but in one year's time or two years' time, That's the question that we need to ask, does it look attractive still at that point? The other part of that is not just locking up your capital for longer periods, Um, we can also in order to boost your income, become more susceptible to the economic risks. That then causes um, other issues and other risks, which is, you know, the receipt of your capital coming back. And that's not always easy to deal with. And, and so really what it boils down to is a lot of investors in their pursuit of higher income and uncorrelated returns to traditional fixed income asset classes, a lot of them tend to see a lot of pre- unpredictability within the strategies. You know, a lot of these uh, higher income strategies tend to be very complex. They tend to be very convoluted. Um, and and what you find is they tend to let you down when you need it most, when you need that liquidity, when you need that predictability. And so what what we do whenever we try to balance those two upsides and downside risk, Craig, is really we look at the most predictable and repeatable and consistent aspect of fixed income. And that's the income portion. Interest income is there. If one does their active management correct, if one does the credit analysis correct, it's repeatable, it's planned, and it's consistent. And sort of arriving at this destination does not have to be complex. We do not have to employ excessive leverage. We do not have to employ excessive illiquidity. We don't have to be expensive. But the solution can focus on producing that greater degree of predictability that many investors need right now. So, in order to boost your income, what's very important is to understand the predictability of that income and what can go wrong.
0: And so, you've talked about investors having to navigate a bit of a double-edged sword by the fact that by lending money for longer time periods, They're looking, therefore, to enhance the yield. But at the same time, that increased risk-exposed interest rate changes. So what's your view on sidestepping, if you will, Paul, the interest rate risk here? No, it's a
1: great question. Interest rate risk is something that we've got. It's not going to go away. So if that investor that you talked about right at the start, if they took their million dollars and put it into 10-year Australian government bonds right now, they would get back to their $10,000 income. A year. The problem comes, what if inflation increases and interest rates have to increase in order to control that inflationary aspect? These are risks that seem very far off, particularly in a global pandemic that we're currently in when we have certain deflationary forces. But it's very easy to, to run a path that in one or two years time, we could see interest rates having to increase in order to control inflation. So, for example, if we invested today with that 1% 10-year government bond, we will get that 1% for the next 10 years. However, uh, as a rule of thumb, the issue is if interest rates went from 1% to 2% in 10-year terms uh, within the next year, we would have blown up our whole 10-year income. Within that, so that's what I'm talking about in terms of locking in that income value and being flexible. Uh, we believe that investors need income options that offer flexibility and protection from that rising rate environment or the potential for that rising rate environment. One approach there would be more be a more short term, be a more short term in an income focus, so into short term corporate bonds, for example, that are actively managed and actively manage its interest rate risk. In other words active management will be the key for navigating that interest rate risk.
0: Well, let's get into that a little bit further, Paul, because earlier on you sort of said higher yields, higher complexity. You've just then introduced the idea of active management. So when you're looking at the kind of capabilities in an issuer that you would be looking for to capture that holy grail of bonds offering high quality interest income opportunities, what are you looking for? It's a great question, Craig. The the reality is that fundamental credit research is
1: as imperative today as it's ever been in the past. Uh, Throughout every economic crisis, the aspect of credit selection is the differentiator in active management, and it always will be. Prior to this crisis, really, the the main key will be concentrating on corporate bonds that are offering high-quality interest income opportunities. Those high-quality issuers will have the ability to effectively manage their balance sheet. That means being able to refinance uh, their debt, being able to access liquidity sources, and also from an earnings point of view, having flexibility over the costs that they're seeing, but also being able to defer CapEx expenditure. I think that's very important as well. So those high-quality corporates will be able to do that, but not every corporate will be the same. There will be the hams and the have-nots, and being able to differentiate that through active management and security selection is going to remain very much uh, the key for us. A, a good example of that is throughout this cycle, we actually see as banks as being a very strong winner out of this uh, this crisis. Because if you compare them to the GFC, they had a lot of issues, they had a lot of uh, leverage in their system, they were perhaps overstretched in terms of their balance sheet. This time, it's not the case. You know, they've been regulatory reasons they've been held back, and they're actually coming into the crisis in a much stronger position than they ever were back at the GFC. So while credit losses are likely to increase significantly through this cycle, average, and how we go through the cycle, banks, both domestic as well as globally, are considerably better positioned to absorb those losses, uh, given the stronger capital ratios, given the stronger liquidity positions, as well as that support from the regulatory aspect as well. So I think that's something that's a very important differentiator. And really, you know, in a, in a nutshell, um, whenever we're selecting our securities, concentration on high quality interest income opportunities that will survive the cycle is is particularly key.
0: Yeah, so really balancing that upside with the downside, Paul, like you mentioned earlier. um, In the current environment, of course, institutional investors are really searching for yield. Um, And so maybe you can sum up for us, please, Paul, why income should be one of the key tools of choice for an institutional investor's toolbox to navigate the current market volatility coming out of a COVID cycle. Can you Fill us in there, please.
1: It's the power of the compounding effect, really, Craig. Um, whenever one ticks into context, the interest income remaining the most predictable, stable, and attractive attribute of fixed income, over the coming years, we're going to have low rates. The compounding effect of getting that interest income in short-term corporate bonds and high-quality corporate bonds will accumulate and that in itself will provide uh, the compounding effect, which will provide investors that necessary defence of their portfolios as volatility inevitably rises again. Now, that will remain very key, um, focusing on income that is predictable, and when a, if a bond is not in default, it is repeatable, planned, and consistent. And so, that's why you know we believe that. short-term income strategies will become very attractive for investors going forward in the coming decade.
0: Thank you, Paul, for that very timely update there on short-term income producing assets. Um, If you would like more information on what was discussed today with Paul, please reach out to your QIC relationship manager. Thanks for listening to us on QPod today and have a super day.